Welcome to the Wine Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Hescheck. The Wine Beat is an exploration of the world's wine regions in search of its greatest wines. We're looking for wines from viticulturists, winemakers, and wine regions that have a truly unique and compelling story to tell. Ultimately, what we want to convey is the extraordinary value that we can unearth by scouring the world's myriad great wine regions in search of these stories. Marco and Sebastian de Corato are the proprietors of the Rivera Estate in the Castel del Monte DOC in Puglia. One of the world's greatest wine critics, Antonio Galloni, has called Rivera one of the great estates of Italy, an estate that captures the exuberance that Puglia is capable of. Now, I'm a big fan of southern Italian wines, and I think Castel del Monte and Puglia generally are a treasure trove of great wines. What I think you're going to get from this podcast is a first-hand window into what makes Castel del Monte wine so great, what makes Puglian wine so great, and why the wine varieties are so interesting. Marco de Corato sat with me for this interview alongside his colleague, Rafael Augeli. The two of them take us on a tour of the region and the grape varieties that give Puglian wine its unique character. Now, we get to learn directly from these gentlemen how Puglia is getting the respect it finally deserves, and part of that is because of the attention to international markets. And, of course, we learn straight from the source about Puglia's beautiful grape varieties. Marco Decorato from Rivera Estate in Puglia in Italy. We're at your winery. We're here with your export manager, Raphael. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today. It's my pleasure to host you. You're welcome. Well, let's get started and let's just talk about Rivera Estate. Yes. Uh, okay, first of all, we can say we are in Puglia. So Puglia is, uh, we say in Italy, is the hill of the boot. If you imagine uh, Italy as a boot shape. So we are on the hill of the boot. So southeast of Italy, let's say deep south. So very a region which is uh, full of sun, uh, nice weather and this helps us to produce nice wines. Um, Apulian is not uh, a very famous wine uh, region producer, but is quite an emerging one because in the last years we've been, uh, uh, the history of uh, wine production in Apulia is that we used to produce mass bulk wine to be exported to other Italian region, to France, this is the history. So uh, nobody in the past wanted to drink uh, an Apulian wine bottle, was not used to found it on the tables. Uh, and in the 50s, my grandfather, who founded the, the winery, uh, he was living out uh, in Milan, in Rome. He decided to he used to drink wines and he couldn't understand why people could not drink uh, Apulian wine on the tables with uh, a brand from Apulia. So he came back, his family was uh, of farmers, and so he decided to, to plant vines uh, more than uh, there were in the, in, in the fields and uh, to begin the history of uh, Rivera winery. So this is uh, the, like, uh, the, the very origin of uh, our uh, winery. And he wanted to, um, to let the people know uh, also the indigenous varietals from Puglia. Because in Italy we have so many indigenous varietals. 
uh, I can count, there are more than 500. And in Puglia, we have so many uh, that we try to uh, let people know. We uh, try to represent all the, uh, the main indigenous varieties of Puglia. Uh, we cannot because uh, to, to, to make wines with all the varieties because we, we should produce too many wines and then it's not so easy to sell them. So we try to uh, focus on our uh, DOC, so which is the area where our uh, winery is born, was born, which is the Castel del Monte area. Uh, it's an area in the central north part of Puglia which takes the name from the Castel del Monte, which, wo which is a, a castle which was built uh, in the 12th century. And it's very, from Frederick II of Svebia. He was the emperor of the Holy uh, Roman Empire. And uh, he was German, but he liked Italy. He used to live all his life in Sicily and then in Puglia. We drove past the castle on our way here. It's yeah. extremely it, distinctive looking building up on the hill. It's very unique. Very unique because, shape. Yeah, it's a shape, it's an hectagon with eight towers. Yeah. Each tower is an hectagon. And then it's very uh, strange history because there is not a real function of this castle. Uh, so it was not a castle where the emperor used to live, it was not a defense castle, it was uh, maybe uh, something like a symbol of the power of the emperor. Uh, in fact, this castle is on a hill, which is uh, can be um, is visible from all the the uh, so many kilometers uh, far away. And uh, it's also an esoteric castle because Frederick II was uh, quite uh, we can say a crazy boy. He was 18. He used to speak so many languages, including Arabic. He was. Uh, really uh, interested in uh, alchemy, in chemistry, in uh, all the arts. And uh, he was uh, so, uh, so in love with the Arabic culture that he wrote uh, one dozen pages of manual on, uh, ch on chasing with falcon, which is uh, a very, yeah, falconry, yeah. which is a very uh, traditional uh, uh, hobby, sport uh, in the Arabic countries. That he was fascinated by falconry. Yeah, and uh, we can found uh, something of the history of Frederick II in uh, some of other our wines, because also in the name we give to the wines, we try, we like to link the wines to the, our territory. Do we know if he promoted wine growing and uh, vine growing and winemaking? No, this is not an, an information uh, I read uh, in uh, any any okay. book. Uh, I, I can't I can't say this. Um, so uh, I was saying before about uh, all the uh, indigenous varietals, uh, which are very uh, there are many, and which in some in some. Uh, uh, we can say which are quite different uh, in style between them. Uh, Apulia is quite a long uh, region. It's uh, more than 500 kilometers long. And uh, the climate in Puglia is quite different from central north than from south of Puglia. Uh, of course, normally we have very warm uh, uh, spring and hot summers, but we have also cold uh, winters. We do have the snow. Uh, we don't know. We don't go so minus uh, temperature, but 
but uh, we have some fresh air also, which mitigate you know, the, the, the style also of the, of the wines. And the, the wines, the indigenous varietals we have from north of Puglia, central north of Puglia, where we are located, and from the south of Puglia, they are very, very different, even because of the, the climate uh, situation, which are different. We, uh, in, in this part of Puglia, in the central north part of Puglia, we have some hills, which are called the Murgia, Murgia Hills, which are, uh, goes from north, to, to south, but they stop just uh, before the southest part, which is called Salento, which is quite common for the wines and also for tourism, because a really, really nice uh, place with beaches and a very nice sea, very sunny. And uh, uh, we are on the hill here, so we, let's say we have uh, our vineyards are from 200 meters to uh, 350 meters on the sea level and they face north so this uh, um, this uh, gives to our uh, our area uh, because from north we have the northern winds which are the no dominant winds which are cold so also during the summer time we can have some uh, fresh winds some cooling yes yeah, some coolings which uh, really uh, helps our, the, the style of our wines. Um, normally people think that uh, south of Italy and Puglia is a, a red wine uh, uh, producing region, but in our winery, not half, but 45% uh, of the production is white wines, which is quite uh, uh, strange maybe. Uh, we produce many white wines with uh, indigenous varietals, but also with some international varietals as Chardonnay and Sauvignon, which, uh, which uh, my father planted in the 80s, and which now we can say uh, can produce very, very interesting, interesting wines. I think, I think people do think of southern Italy and Puglia as more of a red wine yes. producing region. Because people think about the sun, of the 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 head, you know. Yeah. So uh, normally this is related to to red wines. In fact, people normally from Puglia knows the most famous wines, which uh, uh, people knows internationally is Primitivo. Mm. So Primitivo. So maybe is also this a reason why people think relate Puglia to to red wines. Primitivo is a wine from south of Puglia, from the Salento region. Uh, as well as uh, Negro Amaro is another quite, um, quite well-known uh, uh, indigenous varieties. Uh, we normally is also uh, vinified 100%, uh, so you have uh, uh, often Negro Amaro on the label, so it's quite rec recognizable as uh, Primitivo is. And uh, these wines, which are in the south part of Puglia, uh, are, you can uh, really feel more in the style, the the hot and uh, the, the uh, climate, richer, richer because wines. they instead of our area here in the north, don't uh, they they face south. The dominant wind is the southest wind from Africa, so they are very hot. So in uh, in August, when uh, uh, early September, when uh, when there is the harvest, is the uh, is the period when uh, you have also 40 degrees. So. In the ripening period, you get the highest uh, uh, temperature. 
and this affects also the style of the wine. So you have very warm wines, uh, quite alcoholic, uh, because the Primitivo is quite alcoholic, uh, but normally quite smooth, uh, with lots of red fruit, uh, uh, sometimes uh, very ripened. Yeah, very big body. Yeah. And, uh, but Instead, in the north, where we are, and where we were born, because we were born in this area, now we represent all Puglia wines, but we were born with the, the Castel del Monte uh, wines and the indigenous varietals from Castel del Monte, where the main uh, grape, red grape, is the Nero di Troia. Nero di Troia is the, is the base of the, of the most uh, famous wine of our winery, which is Il Falcone, which is a blend where Nero di Troia is present at 70%. Nero di Troia is very different from uh, Primitivo. Uh, Nero di Troia is very structured wine, very elegant wine. Uh, doesn't uh, reach so high uh, degrees in alcohol because normally it's 13.5, while the Primitivo can get also 15, 16, 17 degrees in alcohol, so very, very high and uh, it's very elegant and uh, the, the nose you can feel yeah the uh, red fruit but maybe more some uh, black uh, fruit and uh, floral uh, aromas uh, the typic is uh, the um, the violet so the fire of the violet so it's, it's very very different um, normally it's very dry wine so the difference with the in the region between the wines made with different varieties are very, very, very deep. It's more, more of a complex wine coming from the Nero yeah, di Troia. Absolutely. We could say that it's more a northern Italy wines. It's maybe more similar to a Nebbiolo than from a Primitivo. Did I understand you correctly that the um, Primitivo and the Negro Amaro are normally uh, vinified and bottled as single varietals? Yes, normally yes. Uh, the Negro Amaro normally is uh, even uh, uh, blended with 10% uh, of Malvasia Nera. And then we have a, a specific DOC, which is called Salice Salentino DOC, which is quite famous, internationally famous in Canada. I know that you drink a lot of uh, Salice Salentino. And then we have... Uh, uh, we produce also as red wines uh, an Aglianico, Aglianico, which is a grape from the central uh, part of south of Italy. And uh, it's, uh, also this wine is called the Nebbiolo from uh, south of Italy uh, because of the characteristics is uh, very high acidity and uh, lots of tannins, as well as uh, the Nero di Troia because also the Nero di Troia has a lot of tannins. And, um, and in fact, the Nero di Troia in the past was always, uh, was never uh, bottled 100%, uh, but blended with other varietals. In the case of Il Falcone, you're in, blending yeah. it with multiple Giano. Yeah, that, that is the tradition in the, in the area, because normally uh, vineyards uh, were like uh, two rows of uh, Nero di Troia and one row on uh, Montepulciano, when uh, the vineyard was uh, planted to make uh, reserva wines, so more structured wines, because of the structure of the Nero di Troia, while uh, vineyards uh, made to make uh, more easy wines, let's say like this, it's uh, 
uh, were more Montepulciano than uh, Nero di Troia. Ah, that's so, fascinating. So, yeah. the, the, so, so it's the, very, very simple. So if you put like 70% of uh, Montepulciano, that is uh, uh, less structured wine, and then if you put more uh, Nero di Troia, uh, and this is also the, the original, uh, the base of, the, of our wines. In uh, like when the winery was born, we used to produce one red wine, which was made like 70% Montepulciano, 30% uh, Aglianico, uh, sorry, uh, Nero di Troia, and uh, the Reserva wines, which was exactly the opposite. And then we, we had one white wine, Castel del Monte white wine, and one rosé wine. Uh, now, so that's a, that's a classic field blend. You've got Montepulciano and uh, Nero di Troia growing in the same vineyard. Maybe two rows of Nero Troia and one row of yes. and they would be vinified. They would be fermented. all together, so all they together. were harvested all together. Harvest. This is what, something we don't do anymore, of course, because ah, okay. we try to harvest the, 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 the wines when they are have the right maturity. Mm. Otherwise, the tannins they can be too green, too aggressive. That's not good. So normally we harvest uh, first Monte Pulciano and then Nero di Troia, which is the latest ripening uh, variety. And you ferment them separately yes. and do your blends. We do, and then we blend it later. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, something very interesting and quite uh, typical from our area is also the production of rosé wines. Because here in the Castel del Monte area, we have a, a single variety, which is called Bombino Nero, which is a red wine variety, is only used to make rosé wines. Uh, because of the, of the thickness of the, thinness of the, it's very thin, uh, the skin, and uh, it never uh, ripens uh, uh, completely. So you can, uh, if you see a picture of Bombino Nero grape at harvest, you can still see uh, the, which is, the color is not, very uh, dark and some uh, um, and some uh, so some of the grapes are in the bunch are still in the cluster, uh, some, yeah are, dark are still uh, green uh, very light so there's not a lot of color there's not a lot of uh, tannins in this uh, in this variety but it's perfect for uh, rosé wine uh, because of the aromas it's very very nice very you get some uh, uh, red berry, uh, strawberry, but also the, the rose you can feel in the aroma. And another important uh, characteristic is the, uh, the alcohol. It's never, it's normally uh, lower than 12 degrees. This is very nice because in the summertime when it's hot, you can drink easily this wine. Nice light summertime rosé yeah. wine. Sometimes when the rosé are too alcoholic, then Maybe they are quite difficult to, to drink. Bombino Nero is the uh, variety, huh? The Bombino Nero is the varieties, and uh, because of this, uh, this characteristic, which is uh, one of the few grapes which is only used to make rosé, uh, in 2011 we achieved the DOCG on the uh, Bombino Nero Castel del Monte. So the Castel del Monte Bombino Nero. Uh, which is the rosé wine, is a DOCG, uh, as well as uh, uh, the uh, Castel del Monte Rosso Riserva, which is uh, the, um, the Il Falcone is in this category, 
is a DOCG, and also the Nero di Troia uh, Castel del Monte Reserva. It's another DOCG. So in 2011, we got three new DOCG. Um, I was saying before that uh, il Falcone is a blend, the tradition is to blend Nero di Troia, but why? Because of the uh, big structure of this wine and of the uh, and, um, huge quantity of uh, tannins, it was really difficult to uh, vinify and to drink it after some years. So, uh, and also because there were not the the technique we can have today, both in the vineyard, both in the, in the cellar for the maceration, so the extraction of the tannins. Because the problem that we were, was that we were afraid to extract two tannins and uh, maybe they were too aggressive, so it was very, very, very difficult to imagine a wine 100% uh, Nero di Troia. Uh, but our winery has been uh, always an innovator. So we are very old winery. We are one of the oldest of uh, Puglia because we were born in uh, the first bottles are of uh, the vintage 1950. So in 1950, this, the, the way to make wines was, well, even a few years later, was quite rude compared to what we can do now. And uh, we now have invested in uh, in a vinifier with uh, some uh, instruments which helps us to, to decide even uh, which kind of uh, tannins to extract or not. And uh, lots of things are made, uh, uh, um, is uh, some mechanic uh, systems, but then before making the maceration, we do a lot of analysis of the wines so we know of the grapes, so we know exactly what we are going to process and what we are going to vinify. And so now it's really easier to, uh, for us to produce a, a wine 100% Nero di Troia. So you can measure the components of the grape while they're still in the vine, you can select the All the chemical components of the wines because uh, um, wine uh, making is uh, chemistry uh, because it's all a reaction of sugar with the yeast and uh, all the aromas we, we feel, uh, there are uh, chemical elements uh, which are on the, in the wines and no, uh, in, the, on the in the grapes. So if they combine or not with either other chemical components, that makes the difference on feeling or not some aromas, for example. So, um, and so in the 2000s, we could uh, produce the first Nero di Troia 100%, uh, which is the Puera Puglie, which is a Castel del Monte Nero di Troia Reserva, a wine which uh, now is uh, the vintage on the market is uh, 2012. So uh, it's a wine which uh, has some uh, aging uh, on, uh, which helps a lot to, to soften the tannins. It's still a quite a tannic wine. Yes, of course, it's the characteristic, but the important is, is, uh, is uh, that the tannins, which are in uh, a big quantity, they are quite uh, managed well, so they are silky, and they don't cut the, the taste in the mouth. So uh, tannins is a positive uh, a component of a, wines, of a wine if uh, it's uh, well balanced with the rest uh, of the wine.
And the name of that wine again remind me. Puer Apulie. Puer Apulie is a Latin word. Uh, also, this name is linked to Frederick II, uh, the emperor, which built the Casa del Monte, and means son of Puglia. Puer Apulie. Yes, Puer is uh, like son, Apulie is uh, uh, Puglia, and which was the name which uh, German people used to call Frederick II in a bad manner, because in their intention was a, a bad way to, to call him. Uh, because he, he, he liked to live in, uh, in, in Puglia, in the sun, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, 2012 is the vintage that's on the market now, in yes. 2018. Is that wine, how is it drinking now, and, and, and what is the maturation curve for that wine? How do you see um, it as being at its best? Uh, this is a wine you can drink now. Uh, the modern techniques helps to, to, to make wines... Uh, more uh, uh, drinkable also before than was possible in the in the past but these are uh, wines which can uh, last for also 20 years in the cellar uh, i say 20 years years because i don't want uh, to exaggerate but we uh, sometimes do vertical tasting and we have uh, opened the bottles even from the 50 so uh, I remember 73, 74 really big wines, very, very incredible wines. And so it's uh, very longive uh, wines. All the wines made with Nero di Troia, of course, if they are a bit aged, so if they passed sometimes in wood, because for the reserva wine we do, uh, they can last uh, for a lo lot of time. Um, and for interest's sake, if we compared that to the Il Falcone Reserva, which is 70% um, Nero de Troia and 30% Multiple Giano, the current vintage on the market is... Is 2012. Uh, also, 2012. also 2012. And uh, I was part, uh, talking before uh, about uh, vertical testing, but there was a vertical testing of Il Falcone because uh, uh, Puera Puglie was born in 2000, so we don't have uh, more than uh, 17 uh, vintages. Uh, and not even 17 because on the market is 12. So we have 12 vintages. And Il Falcone is the first wine of the winery with the name Il Falcone is uh, uh, the first bottle with uh, Il Falcone on the label was in 1971, which was the, uh, the year of the foundation of the DOC, DOC Castel del Monte. We've talked about the... Um uh, Nero de Troia wines, uh, including the blend with Montepulciano, which is Il Falcone. Uh, we've talked about Negro Amaro. Uh, we've talked about... Uh, Primitivo. Primitivo. We've talked about Bombino. Bombino Nero. Nero. Um, and if you want to talk about... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I want to, uh, to say this. When we begin to uh, produce the 100% Nero de Troia, we begin with a wine which had to be uh, to pass sometimes in wood with the reserva wine, because we, uh, because it, it's easier, as I said before, to manage tannins when you keep the wine some years in the, in the cellar. Um, how do we do this? We do maceration with uh, the Lestage, so we have pump overs of the juice on the, on the skins, so it's very soft way to, to make uh, uh, the, uh, the maceration. Uh, which, which uh, permit also some oxygenation of the juice. Uh, 
You're using pump overs. Yes. Any punch downs? You're punching down at all? Not anymore. We have some uh, older vinifier where we had a mechanical uh, uh, hand which uh, used to go down and to bring down the, we call it the hat, which is the all the skins, yep. which after some times of the fermentation, being lighter than the juice, they go they on top. Up, yeah. So we need to mix the, the skin uh, with the juice uh, to have the best extraction. But you don't use the punch down method anymore? The, um, no, no. And, uh, but we do sometimes to... some micro oxygenation. Okay. To, but this uh, in particularly for the Nero di Troia uh, that we produce, which is not a reserve. Because some years after the Puera Puglie, we began to work on uh, producing of, on a Nero di Troia 100% wine, which, was, which could be uh, more easily drink even uh, in, uh, after some uh, few years. And uh, then in the 2007, we, uh, we, began, we brought on the market Il Violante, which is 100% Nero di Troia with no wood. So it's a fresher wine, uh, still with the same structure, but uh, very well balanced with a very, very nice uh, uh, violet, uh, floral aroma on the nose. And uh, the name of that was? Violante. 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 The it's, a name, great, it's a great name, uh, Violante, but what does it mean? It means, it's a, a common main name in Italy. Okay. So Violante, we can have uh, women who are called uh, Violante, but Violante uh, links also to the Violet, okay. like the name. Okay. And there was also a daughter of uh, Frederick II, so we always it's try you know, to <laughs> make the connection with the history of, yeah. uh, of the... Of the of the territory. Um, then we, I can, I, we talked about red and uh, uh, red grape, but we have also some uh, indigenous white ones. Uh, one of these is Bombino Bianco. Bombino Bianco, it's a quite simple uh, um, uh, variety, with uh, normally is always also this being used in blend with other varietals. And, uh, uh, the characteristic is a very nice acidity. Uh, in fact, the, the Bombino Nero, uh, Bombino Bianco, was has always been used as a base for sparkling wines. Okay, because of the nice acidity. Yes, profile. and uh, but uh, if you work a lot on this, you can get also nice uh, white flowers aromas, and uh, which are uh, quite uh, interesting. And uh, then we produce also a Fiano. Uh, Fiano 2 is um, a variety which normally is, is, uh, was grown in uh, south of Italy. Uh, in Puglia was a bit, uh, people forgot a bit about this, but in the last uh, decades uh, there's now um, uh, winemakers uh, wine are again uh, uh, making wines with, uh, with Fiano. Uh, here in Puglia, and uh, we have a quite uh, structured wine we produce with this variety, uh, which normally goes on the market one year later than the other white wines, uh, because we like to keep it on the lees to, to get some more structure and uh, complexity. 
The Bombino Bianco. Um, I assume that makes a nice, fresh, bright, easy drinking wine. Have I got that correct? About yes, the... absolutely, is uh, correct. Uh, and um, uh, the name of our Bombino Bianco is uh, Marese. And uh, is, I, I think it's a wine uh, quite easily drinking. And you can, I like it a lot with, uh, with, um, uh, with fish, but also with raw fish. Here in Puglia, we are big uh, eaters of uh, raw fish, and uh, in particular in Bari, the town uh, where actually I live, which is quite near uh, 50 kilometers of the winery. We is uh, famous for uh, for eating raw fish, including octopus, raw octopus. Mm. Which, when I normally say this, it's uh, quite uh, amazing for the people. Uh, sushi, <laughs> British Columbia, they have very good uh, raw fish as well. Absolutely, and and, and we're, we're used to eating uh, sushi and, and raw fish, and and this bright fresh wines, which are quite popular now. I mean, this is in the market. This is very popular stuff. Uh, it sounds like an interesting wine. Raphael? No, yeah. no I want to say something about uh, British Columbia. Uh, the Gizmondi. Yeah, a very Gizmondi, but... famous critical. Uh, when we had a tasting there uh, a couple of years ago, um, he published on his uh, Twitter page our Bombino Bianco for I think uh, this is a perfect wine for our seafood and raw food uh, in BC. So it's a very good connection from Perfect Puglia and uh, British Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice connection. Perfect connection be between Puglia and British Columbia, and uh, and both of you know both seaside locations, right? With yeah. uh, fish eating traditions and fresh foods. And I think maybe uh, difference in temperature. Uh, a little, a little, a little colder uh, British Columbia. A little, a little bit. It's more rainy, maybe in uh, British Columbia. Yeah, definitely, and uh, and colder in the winter. Uh, but where where I live in Kelowna, uh, we have hot summers as well. You know, thirty five degrees, and uh, so not oh. that not that. I didn't far. think. I didn't. The skiing is a little bit closer where I live. For you, you have to go a couple of hours to go skiing. Uh, three, three hours. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> so Bombino Bianco, we should expect to see on the market, which is quite interesting. Yes, thanks to Raffaele, which is the man <laughs> on the market. So he introduced, uh, for sure, Marese, the Bombino Bianco. The Falcone and maybe the Violante, Nero di Troia. Um, the, not the Reserva one, but uh, the one that doesn't age in oak. So we should talk a little bit about the export market for yeah, you. How, sure. how big are, you know, where, where are the big export markets? Uh, maybe let's start with North America. So where do you find your biggest export markets? California, New York, uh, Quebec? Uh, Quebec, Ontario. In Canada? Yeah, the first two markets in North America. Oh, really? More so yeah. than uh, more so than, New than York. Massachusetts? More than New York. Oh really? Okay, interesting. We are working. It's the same because we have a lot of uh, ways to do, to things to do. So yeah. it's good. Do you know? I've heard this before that Quebec is a good market uh, for some of the Greek wine producers. Quebec is, a, is an amazing market. They're selling a lot of wine. I, I'm not sure what those Quebecers are doing, but I think they're drinking a lot of wine. Yeah, they are very well educated. So they are looking for uh, very good wines from um, uh, less known regions like okay. Puglia, like uh, Greece. They don't look so much to the brand, but to the quality. Yeah. which is something we would like every <laughs> wine uh, consumer uh, because you know, a lot of uh, times 
people spend so much money to get a wine, which is very good, but sometimes you could spend half the, that money to get uh, a wine the same quality. The same quality. And this is the magic of the wine market, especially today when consumers have more choice. They can go searching for these treasures yeah. that they might not have heard of that, uh, instead of the wines that everybody's been drinking for the longest time. So the East Coast uh, is uh, our main market in North America. Okay. But we are um, also developing um, the other part of the North America, like the West Coast, so British Columbia, California, uh, something in Nevada, we do some business in Las Vegas, and uh, also in the central part with Illinois, or Manitoba, or uh, Alberta. Is, is the U.S. market more difficult because U.S. consumers are focused more on you know, California wines or Washington wines, or is that a, is that a misconception? Um, it's more difficult because it's, uh, for sure, in U.S., it's like you have to sell case by case. Mm. In, uh, in Canada, with the monopoly system, uh, when a wine is leased, you get more, uh, more volumes. And, it's uh, not so easy to get listed, yeah, but, but once you, you get... It's fast, faster depletion and uh, you deal with, uh, with one, uh, one person right. and not like a multitude of, uh, of accounts. Yeah, so okay, it's good if you can get in. Otherwise, yeah. it's very bad, of course. Each province has a monopoly government-controlled distributor, which lets yeah. you in with that monopoly. Except uh, Alberta. Alberta is uh, a free market like uh, any market in the U.S. Okay. But you're finding the, the take-up in the, in the markets in Canada and the United States quite good for your wines. Rivera, once you crack the market, is doing well? Yeah, they are doing well. Yeah, we, we can do better, but oh. we, are, we are doing well. No, we're growing. We are introducing new yeah. wines, so new labels, which is very good. So yeah. we are working. So New markets as well. Like uh, all the um, Atlantic province that are, of course, smaller than uh, Quebec or Ontario, like Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, which, uh, Prince Edward, we just started. Like now, we, we got this year two, two different listings for two wines, our Il Falcone and Primitivo di Manduria in uh, New Brunswick. That before uh, working at Rivera, I didn't know uh, where was it. <laughs> <laughs> the existence <laughs> of this province. And how important is the export market to you? Growing these markets is 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 that key to uh, your future success? Uh, the today we we export uh, around forty five percent of the of the turnover, which is never enough. We, I, I always say we should be eighty yeah. percent because uh, the Italian market is uh, more difficult uh, because is uh, the risk is uh, less concentrated. If you go abroad, you have so many countries, so you, uh, let's, let's imagine uh, the crisis we had in the 2009, uh, if uh, one company uh, was only focused on the domestic market, I don't think uh, today uh, we, we still uh, could have that company because really Italy market uh, was, uh, uh, went down for 50%. 
So you're, so, sp you're spreading your risk. Yes, your, spreading the risk and then the big opportunities because there are markets. Ita Italy is very regional consuming uh, market. Okay. Be uh, being a big producer, if you go to Puglia, mostly you drink Puglian wine. If you go to Sicily, mostly you drink Sicilian wine. This is uh, in Tuscany, in Veneto, in uh, Piedmont. So everywhere is like this. So the, the competition is very, very high. Um, so it's nice to go and uh, find new markets. Uh, How's the Asian market? Uh, yes. Singapore, Hong Kong, there, China? We are just uh, opened in the uh, last five years. Almost all the markets in the... Dozen, um, I think. Yes. 12, 13 markets, new markets. Which, of course, at the beginning, they are very small. But uh, we're seeing uh, nice developments. Uh, some markets are definitely uh, bigger than uh, we could imagine um, and uh, so that's the future Every, everyone says that uh, all the economy is going uh, in those uh, countries uh, money is there so uh, for a company uh, as ours which is here uh, for uh, uh, been here for uh, 75 70 years uh, so we, we we are used to plan in a very long term, and we 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 won't be here in uh, in 70 years. So we have to think uh, very long term, and uh, we cannot uh, lose uh, the opportunity of of those markets. Absolutely. So we've covered most of the varieties you've produced, but uh, maybe we've missed one or two. Is there anything we need to touch upon? Bifiano uh, Naglianico, I think. We talked about Nero di Troia, about Montepulciano, which is in blend. We said something about the Aglianico, which is another uh, grape variety we produce uh, as a reserve wine. Uh, this on the market now is a 2012, which is quite a structured wine. Uh, very important, but not too complicated. Then we have uh, Fiano. Il Fiano. I talked about Fiano. The name is Scariazzo, which is a white wine, but quite complex and uh, and intense at the nose. Then we have two wines, which are we were introduced uh, in the 80s, which are the Chardonnay and Sauvignon. Uh, I can tell you that our Chardonnay is the our best-selling wine in the States, which okay. is not maybe so... Uh, it's quite strange because uh, the States are uh, produce Chardonnay producers. Chardonnay. Yeah, they produce quite a bit. But this is quite a different because it's very clean. We only use stainless steel in this wine, so you don't have any wood influence. No oak. Okay. Very straight uh, and uh, okay. very nice. Then we have uh, the we call the three uh, indigenous wines, which are each 100% one single uh, uh, grape, which is the Marese, the Bombino Bianco, then the Bombino Nero, Rosé, DOCG, we have Il Pungi Rosa, is the name, very, very nice wine, which has uh, so much success in the last uh, uh, five, six years. Rosé is on fire. As a, as Rosé is on fire. Segment, right? Yeah, even if we still not uh, have reached the international exploit. Uh, 
Yeah. We're still uh, uh, most of the sales are uh, domestic. Okay. And uh, but this is uh, Raffaele's job now to. Oh, to this year was very important uh, with um, with our rosé, uh, also because we changed label just this year, and um, and also the color in Pungiro that is very important. The color of rosé in North America they are very sensitive of, uh, of the color, so more. A closer Provencal uh, color, and uh, we I are think that's the that's the segment that con consumers are loving right now is the yeah. Provence style. Uh, what I saw that uh, Spanish rosé, or like uh, southern France or southern Italy for rosé that are very dark, people don't want to drink, don't want to try. Yeah, they just uh, stop uh, looking the color. Yeah, but we we are quite uh, uh, lucky with the Bombino Nero because is in the in the characteristic of the Bombino Nero, not to have too much color because of the skin, which is not full of uh, Antociani. So you're very Instagram friendly with your rosé mm -hmm. because yeah. that's what's happening, right? Is that yeah. uh, people are sharing these pictures of it. Uh, yes. No, no, with this wine, really is incredible. It's a brand now. Like, uh, it's becoming, uh, not like Il Falcone, but it's becoming very popular in the segment of rosé. Okay. Nice. And um, this year we, we had the wine only for seven months because then when sold out. <laughs> and, but I can tell you in the export markets that we had uh, a lot of new placement in new markets. So the distribution is starting also uh, in US. was the first year for our Porgirosa and uh, it's already in seven months in four new states. So as a start is not bad. Not bad. It's low. Everything is low, of course, but yeah. because the competition is very high. But I think we have uh, plenty of wines, very nice and uh, really good uh, quality for value, which is something uh, uh, today very important. Also for people who has not so big budget and want to drink uh, nice wines. What's the price point on the Pungiroso Rosé? Pungiroso, you can find um, in, uh, in Canada 120 Canadian dollars. On the shelf, I would say 16, un, under 20, under 16, 16, 18, between 16 and 18. That's a nice price point. That's a nice yeah. price point uh, for a good rosé. That's a beautiful price point. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, and the price point for your Il Falcone in in Canada, Canada in the US, it's uh, about twenty-five dollars. Yeah, again, that's a which is too very good for uh, quality for value. Quarter quality for value, I can attest because I'm a fan of the Il Falcone. That's a that's an incredible price. There's a, that's a lot of wine for that price point. We cannot make you tasting the Pungirosa because uh, it's sold out, and in fifteen days oh. we will have new vintage. I'm so disappointed. So very good timing. <laughs> fifteen days until. Maybe we should, we'll have to stay and <laughs> wait 15 more days. What else have we not talked about? Is there anything about the family history or the region or the... Oh, the lines? region, I think um, we... I, I said something. We, we are really the emergent wine uh, region in Italy. Um, the region is doing well. Lots of uh, new producers have come on the market, which <laughs> led to lots of competition but uh, gives also more knowledge of the region to the markets. So this is very important. There's an expression, a rising tide lifts all of yes. the boats. Yeah. Right? Because I always say, people, first of all, have to know about Puglia. So the let people know Puglia, then we fight, we fight 
So on the wines, uh, who sells the wine on the market? But first of all, we have to arrive on the market and the people have to know uh, where these wines come from. And uh, another thing to um, highlight is to uh, don't think about Puglia as one region, uh, one varietal, as many people do. Like Puglia, they link automatically to Primitivo because Puglia is very long. In total, we are like uh, we have like three different coasts, and we are like 600 miles of coast in total. And uh, there are different terroir and different varietal. So the first division is to cut Puglia in two. So northern Apulia, north, central northern Apulia, and south Apulia, where we have different terroir, different weather, and different varietals. So different styles. It's like to have uh, sub-regions. That's, uh, I think, very important for uh, the... the yeah, there's, 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 there's quite a lot to learn, yeah. but, it, but it's... Um, it's simple. But if we keep it simple, there's yeah. northern Puglia and southern Puglia. Yeah. Southern Puglia, we can... Think of as Salento. Oh, Salento, yeah. Salento, like Primitivo Negramaro, so most juicy, jammy wines, like Primitivo or Negramaro. In the northern Apulia, we have uh, Nero di Troia and Aglianico as uh, reds, and uh, sometimes blended with Montepulciano, and Bombino Nero as rosé, Bombino Bianco as uh, white. It's very simple. <laughs> and Just two words on the, on the family, I, I said before that uh, my grandfather founded uh, the winery. Uh, after some year, in the 65, my father joined him. And uh, now uh, we are in the, the third generation, me and my brother. My brother is uh, in the winery for 20 years. He's in uh, charge of marketing and, and sales. And uh, I, joined, uh, I joined the company later, after uh, having done some other, uh, I lived in Milan, other, other things. And I'm more in the, the, let's say, the plant manager, the finance, uh, and I look, for, look uh, after the, the vineyards. So we have quite a nice division. And uh, in, in Italy, we say always, that uh, uh, the, the first generation build, the second generation develop, and the third generation destroyed. So <laughs> I have a commitment with my brother to not to destroy it, to try to, to keep arrive <laughs> to the fourth generation. Thank you so much for the discussion today. It was very interesting, very entertaining. Thank you, thank you for coming. So many good stories. Thank you for coming here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. That was a pretty in-depth dive into the wines and the grape varieties of Puglia. I hope you enjoyed it. In the next episode, we'll talk to Maria Teresa Carloni of Tormoresca Estate, also in Castel del Monte. And then after that, we're going to head back to Greece for a couple of episodes, one of them with a man who's considered the godfather of modern Greek wine, and also a very unique outdoor episode, fun one I think you're going to find, with the maker of Greece's best sparkling wine. All of that's coming up in future episodes of the Wine Beat podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Craig. Take care. Bye. Is there anything else you want to add? Because I can cut it back in or not. No, we maybe, so Pensando, we didn't say anything about uh, food. 
No, because uh, we are very uh, in love with our region. I can talk uh, uh, about me and, and my family because we are really uh, food lovers. And uh, in the culture, we have in the culture, food culture. And this is a region which really helps you to love food because we have a so, uh, as in the wines, which are very different varieties, we have very different uh, food all around the region. And you can have, if you are on the coast, we have lots of uh, seafood, raw seafood, uh, and even not raw, but very lightly cooked. So we don't like, because the food is very tasty, the, the fish is very tasty, it comes from the Adriatic Sea, which is the sea which faces uh, Puglia in the east-north um, uh, coast. And is, uh, so you don't need to add anything. The best way you could uh, uh, eat uh, fish is just to put it in the oven covered with uh, salt. That's it, you don't have to add anything else. And that's really a big difference in taste between uh, um, Adriatic fish and the oceanic fish. It's very, very different. I think the, the minerals, or I don't know what is in the, in the water. But if you go to the countryside, we have so uh, huge uh, uh, possibilities. We have so many vegetables, we have so many wild uh, herbs, which uh, uh, in the spring and autumn uh, they grow uh, naturally. And there is a lot of uh, restaurants in the countryside, in places where if you want to go, you have to do many kilometers, which they live on this, on, uh, uh, on uh, cooking only raw uh, material, which are uh, uh, not even cultivated, because often they go with their hands and uh, walking, they take these, these herbs and they make salads or they cooked. We have a lot of uh, meat, uh, some um, varieties of uh, cows which are very very good and uh, with which you can have a very typical and very tasty cheese um, the burrata here is the city of burrata yes in Andrea they invented the burrata which is I didn't say this but this is could explain uh, uh, burrata is really really well known everywhere in the world I have to say that here is quite different because the problem of burrata is the shelf life. If you go in an artisanal place here, they tell you you have to do to eat it today, not tomorrow. If you eat it tomorrow, I don't sell you. <laughs> so, uh, of course, abroad is a bit different, maybe the taste, but it's still really, really nice, uh, nice product.